Hey everybody, welcome back to Evolved Athletics Radio. My name's Jim Young and this is episode 18. Today we're going to be talking about food and identity. So this should be pretty fun and to be honest, this is kind of a topic that comes up more and more and I I just I don't think that people are really connecting the dots with this. So uh stay tuned. <music> So over the last couple of years, I'm sure you've noticed that talking about nutrition has become just as bad as talking about politics or uh, religion or uh, just money, I guess. Uh, it, it's become really interesting in listening to people talk about their the way they eat. And I, I think more importantly, it's really interesting to listen to how people identify with the way they eat. I'll give you an example. And this isn't to pick on vegans, but let's let's think of vegans for a second. Listen about how passionate they are about the way they eat and the and why they eat the way they eat. And sometimes it's about health, but for vegans more often than not, it is some other underlying uh, theme or belief or just the way that they view uh, food in the way it, yeah, I guess it comes to us, uh, right? Because most of us don't hunt and forage for food anymore, right? We we hop on our, you know, hop on our bikes or get into our vehicles and drive to the supermarket or the fast food joint down the road, and that's how we get our food. But but vegans they. They identify with the way they eat. It's become a part of who they are. And if, you, if you're really keen or if you really slow down and really listen to, to people, uh, keto, people that eat a ketogenic diet, um, these are individuals that consume very low carbohydrates because they've been fed this idea that uh, you become superhuman if you eliminate carbs from the diet, which is ridiculous, but there does seem to be some citations out there that do show that eating a ketogenic diet can be beneficial in certain medical circumstances. And for some individuals, uh, for whatever reason, they do seem to be uh, more responsive to a diet that's you know, higher in fat and lower in carbohydrates. And this is here nor there, really. I mean, at that point, there doesn't seem to be a lot of research that supports uh, some of the things that they're feeling. These tend to be more anecdotal than anything. And, you know, honestly, that's not to uh, dissuade or discard what that person's feeling when they're eating that way. Uh, But some of the benefits that they claim they're getting from it uh, just isn't supported by the science. And I think that's where we need to be careful because when people feel really strongly about the actions that they're taking, uh, they have a tendency to amp up what they're doing and really exaggerate uh, some of the the feelings that they have and, and make some really outlandish claims. And a lot of it's because they identify with what they're doing so much that they don't want to be shown that they're wrong because now it becomes an attack on their identity. 
And this is kind of just a small snippet of a kind of a larger picture here that you, you really can't talk about nutrition anymore, even in a scientific fashion. And I, I think the biggest reason why is because people take it so personal. They'll, they'll dis, they literally discard uh, the evidence and the science that's out there that shows that what they're claiming on whatever diet that they're you know, pushing or hawking or uh, talking up, you know, they, they may not have the science to back up their diet. And as soon as somebody calls them out on it, they get defensive. And the reason they get defensive is because they've identified with that diet so much. Again, if we look at uh, vegans or if we look at individuals with keto, you know, that do ketogenic dieting or individuals that do low fat dieting or high, extremely high protein, you know, these are all areas where uh, people become really sensitive to the topic because they're living a particular uh, lifestyle and they've identified with a certain way of eating. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to interrupt myself here because I just thought of something. Uh, individuals that claim they have a gluten intolerance but have never been tested for it. And some of these individuals aren't really gluten insensitive, but they have more, more of a sensitivity to foods that are higher in uh, FODMAPs or it's FOD MAPs or MOPs, I can't remember. Um, and these are foods that are dense in particular uh, compounds that have the same or that cause the same symptoms that uh, gluten intolerance or celiac uh, individuals that are you know, intolerant to gluten will experience. So, you know, it'll feel like IBS or uh, uh, Crohn's. Crohn's was the other thing I was thinking of. You know, and, and people will adopt a certain way of eating and as soon as they're called out on it or or anything, anything for that matter. I mean, they don't even have to be called out on it. They, they just hear something that uh, shows that what they believe may not be right and they quickly become defensive again because they identify with it. And this this really hurts uh, the growth and some of the benefit that could come from, you know, talking about nutrition and talking about the way that food, uh, you know, that we interact with our food. And, and, and this isn't just a weight issue, right? I mean, this goes far, far beyond just weight and obesity, you know, it, it, it's health in general. And if we're so protective about the way we eat that we discard the science and the evidence that's right in front of us, I think we have a larger issue there. And I'm sure I've talked about this in the past in prior episodes, but there seems to be this large anti-science movement. And I think this is really dangerous because as soon as we start questioning evidence that's been validated over and over and over again, you know, now we're starting to take steps back in the evolutionary uh, progress that we've made, right? Now we have these individuals that for whatever reason, you know, like flat earthers come to mind. I mean, we have all of this, all of this data and it's been shown over and over that the earth isn't flat, but there's still people out there that vehemently believe that the earth is flat. And I don't know if we can make the leap and say that these individuals identify with this belief. I, I don't know that they've, uh, 
adopted the name Flat Earther. I I don't know why somebody would do that because it seems derogatory in my mind, but I guess I could I guess I could see it. I mean, we've all seen weirder uh, occur at some point, but in any case, this anti-science movement is is really not doing us any favors. It's it's a really serious disservice. And what becomes even more discouraging, especially for professionals, not just myself, but any professional in their respective fields that have, you know, bachelor's, master's, or PhDs that have been studying their particular topic for years, you know, in some cases decades, and they're they're brought into question uh, even the most basic concepts. Right, so you know, exercise physiology—that's that's what my my master's degree is in. When we start talking about metabolism and more specifically calories in, calories out, we can't rule out the law of thermodynamics. Right? I mean, that's just a fundamental law. And when you start to bring in doubt into a conversation of science, uh, that doubt better be rooted in science as well. Right, you can't question science unless you have science to back it up, not some illogical uh, rationality that that's cobbled together by beliefs and emotion and identity, because that doesn't really have any bearing. The unfortunate truth is that those individuals that bring that uh, emotion and identity to the table, especially in you know mass, uh, you know larger groups. Those individuals tend to get heard more. The more outlandish the claims that they make, the more they're heard. And that that should make you uh, afraid, right? Because now, now you have to be able to decipher who's giving you the right information and who's either deliberately or unintentionally leading you astray. Now, I do have a personal belief that there is a market for misinformation out there. That is a personal belief. I have no I have I have nothing to validate that at all. Um, but but it's just something that I see uh, a lot of marketers, especially in in my field, you know, the health and fitness uh, field more specifically, uh, we see it a lot where fitness marketers will tell personal trainers or coaches that if they're if there's not a market, create one, <laughs> right? And essentially what they're doing is they're saying, get your message out there. Regardless of what your message is, get it out there. So if you have a personal trainer that's saying, you know, vegan diet's the only way to go, you, you know, you can't, you can't lose weight or you can't get healthier unless you're on a vegan diet. Most of us know that's bullshit. However, the more passionate and visceral they get with, with these claims they're more apt to be heard. So, you know, there's there's just there's an awful lot of I I don't want to say miscommunication, but I believe that's a part of it. There's definitely a lot of misinformation out there. And I think the other part of it is the fact that we we identify with stuff that we probably really don't need to identify ourselves with. You know, and again, individuals that identify themselves as, you know, keto dieters or or people that follow, you know, ketogenic diets, you know, or or biohackers. That was the other thing that I've seen pop up over the last couple of years. And, you know, they have biohacking conventions and just the word biohacking, 
I think I've I've done I, I've done a podcast or an episode about biohacking in the past. That word puts me off, and it it makes me sweat with uh, not anger, but it just it gets me going. It gets my emotions going because uh, again, that's another term that I, I find misleading. But again, just to kind of reel this back into the topic that I started on is food and identity, right? We we really don't need to identify so much with how we eat or what we eat or anything like that because the fact of the matter is is it's going to change. The way you eat, the things you eat, they're going to change over your lifetime and there's just – there's no way around it. It just – it naturally happens. As we age, there's no way we can eat the way we ate when we were a teenager and in our early 20s. You know, for those of us or those of you that, uh, you know, are in your mid to late 30s or 40s or 50s even, think about it a second. Do you eat the same way you ate when you were in your teens and early 20s? I'd bet money that you don't. Again, there might be a few individuals that do, but I'd bet a majority of you do not, right? And it just, it seems kind of odd that you would identify with with the way you eat only for it to change a couple years down the road now your identity has to change now you're constantly and and there's a psychological component to this too um, which gets a little uh, outside my wheelhouse but not something that I'm not so far that I'm not familiar with it but when you start changing up the things that you identify with so frequently a lot of times what happens is it, it affects people in how they how they continue to identify themselves. Then they lose their identity and they have to rediscover it. And that takes time. That takes a lot of time, right? Changing the way you eat doesn't, right? So I think this message tends to go out more to the individuals that are dieting, that are looking to control their weight in some way. And my first suggestion would be if you're identifying with a certain way of eating, stop. Stop. Because that's not who you are. The way you eat is not who you are. I, spe- I, I suppose that took longer to get to. <laughs> you know, I, I'm like 14 minutes into this and my, po- my podcast, my episodes are usually about 10 to 15 minutes long. But it took me almost 14 minutes to, to get to that. Stop identifying with the way you eat because it's doing you more harm and more of a disservice than anything. If you like ketogenic ketogenic dieting, knock yourself out. If you're a vegan, kudos to you. You know, if you've found a happy medium with, you know, being able to eat a little bit of junk food and, you know, fit in your vegetables and stuff like that, uh, again, pat on the back. You're doing awesome. But be careful identifying with with certain things you know i think vegans there does seem to be more of a a moral and ethical um, connection to to that i don't believe uh ketogenic dieters uh have that same moral and ethical connection that vegans do but i could be wrong i don't think so but i think for vegans this might be a little bit different i think vegans specifically identify that way because they have a larger message in um in the way they eat than just, you know, it's good for you. You know, it's good for your health. You know, they're, they're eating that way for, for a large, for a bigger picture reason. But in any case, 
identifying with the way you eat becomes really hard to discuss nutrition topics because people get really defensive and especially in the position that I'm in, you know, I talk I talk about nutrition on an almost daily basis with people and that's just that's part of my job. And as soon as as soon as I question the way somebody eats, it makes that conversation really, really difficult. So by using methods of like uh, motivational interviewing and things like that, you know, a lot of times I can kind of pry and pry is uh, kind of a strong word, but I'm able to get out of that person why they're eating that way and some of the misconceptions that they might have. Now, you can't just tell somebody, especially somebody that has ingrained in them that, you know, I eat this way because this is who I am and I feel a hundred times better eating this way than I did before. I, you know, honestly, from my perspective, that's not even a topic that I, I'd even want to discuss with them at that point, unless they're making just really over the top claims and that, that kind of stuff needs to stop because it's just, especially with ketogenic dieting, it's not a lot of the claims that are out there just isn't supported by the science, right? In certain circumstances, individuals have shown benefit from from doing it, but and I'm I know I'm hammering ketogenic dieting, and it's just one that's really prevalent right now, and it seems to be the one that people talk about the most. And nutrition's already a difficult topic, and with ketogenic dieting being really popular right now, I think it's caused more confusion. A lot of people think that carbohydrates are bad and now fats are the superfood, which is bananas in itself. But I just I, I want to really strongly urge people to to really think about before you really make massive changes to the way that you're eating, try not to identify. Try not to let that food, those food options or those food choices become how you identify yourself because more than likely it's going to change and you don't want to constantly have to figure out, you know, who am I today? You know, who is Jane today? Who is who is Bob today, right? Constantly asking yourself that is exhausting, you know? My name's Jim. I like to work out. I eat fruits and vegetables. I eat some garbage now and then. I'm a happy guy. That's how I'd identify myself. Uh, I wouldn't identify myself as a ketogenic dieter or a high-protein dieter or a crossfitter. Cross, that's another thing. You know, When you start to identify with certain things, CrossFit's, <laughs> CrossFit's another thing. You know? yeah, think back a couple of years. You, know, you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't talk to somebody without them bringing up CrossFit, especially if they did it. If they were a CrossFitter, by George, you you knew. <laughs> you knew without a doubt whether they were a CrossFit or not because it's all they were talking about. It became their identity. And as soon as they were challenged on it, especially with, uh, you know, incidents of, uh, uh, increased incidents of, uh, you know, injuries, you know, as soon as you would bring up that or bring up some YouTube video that you saw of a CrossFitter doing something bananas, picture how or try to remember how defensive they got they got really really defensive <laughs> and i've had my my fair share of really uncomfortable conversations with people 
you know, asking them, you know, do you really think that this is a much better route or avenue of training than, say, your conventional barbell training? And some of the some of the uh, responses that I got were just whew, over the top. So, so we're approaching about twenty minutes. I want to wrap this up. My my big the big thing that I want you to take away from this podcast, this particular episode, is don't try not to identify so much with what you're doing because it's going to change. Identify yourself with things that are going to be long lasting. You know if. You're trying to lose weight or build muscle. Try to adopt those themes and not the diet itself, or not the exercise, uh, the exercise patterning or programming that that you're doing at the time, because it's gonna change. It's gonna ch- it it almost has to change depending on what your goal is, right? And you don't want to be second guessing who you are every morning you wake up. Who who am I today? Because it's difficult and you might brush this off as though it, it doesn't really occur, but it does. It does. So as always, if you guys have any questions or you want uh, to you know, add to the topic, I'm all ears. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out to me. Uh, evolvedathletics at gmail.com. Again, I appreciate you staying till the end. Uh, thank you, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey everybody, before I close out this episode, I just again want to say thank you for listening to these episodes. I really appreciate your patronage. And uh, before you go, if I could have you do one favor, uh, take a look at the description of this particular episode, actually every episode, and what you'll find is a link to a Facebook group that I've started called Evolved Athletics Community. And what I want you to do is go ahead and click on that link and go ahead and join the Evolved Athletics Community. Uh, one of the things I'm going to be doing is uh, taking all the content that I've put together and slowly start to add it into that uh, Facebook group. And I'm going to start closing down some of the other sites. So, for instance, the Patreon page that I started about four or five weeks ago, I'm, I'm shutting that down. And uh, I also had a course site that I've been building out. I'm going to be shutting that down. And the content that I would have put on either of those sites is going to be located right in the Facebook group. So uh, Facebook has this new option to create units within Facebook groups depending on how you set up you know, the group. And one of the reasons that I'm doing this is I got an awful lot of feedback that said, uh, Jim, you're, you're starting to spread out your material again in too many different places. The podcast is nice. The emails we get are nice. But with the course site and with Patreon and the podcast and the blogs and you know all this other stuff that I'm putting together – it, it was. It sounded like it was be, becoming too much, and people didn't want to jump around to all of these different platforms. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start using um, as few platforms as possible. So, obviously, Facebook is going to be one of those. Uh, podcasting. I'm always going to be podcasting. Uh, so there's there's nothing that at this point is really going to deter me from doing that. I like doing it. I like talking. Uh, at some point, maybe I'll start doing uh, a little bit of video. But nevertheless, what I'm going to be doing is really uh, consolidating all of that content that I've put together. Uh, even some of the blog posts, I'll start to put directly into Facebook now. And hopefully this helps. Um, so that way we can get people 
uh, into one area and maybe start to discuss some of the content that's provided. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is people tend to do better when they have social supports. And I think it's one of the reasons why Facebook groups are so popular because people are able to join them and and get that support that they're looking for. So uh, again, just take a, a couple of seconds and uh, check out the description of the podcast. Look for the Facebook link and go ahead and join and I'll see you inside. Again, thanks everybody for taking the time to listen and we'll talk to you soon.